You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Yes, we are off. We are running this Thursday, November 19th. Now, we can't run as fast as Robinson Cano. How does he do it? Oh, that's how he does it. Hey, how's everybody feeling today on a Thursday edition of the Gordon Damer Show? It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Welcome in. Good morning. Uh, Hopefully it's going to be a little warmer. What the heck happened to the temperature? But long way to go. Short time to get there. So let's dive right in. Of course, the uh, number, you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. I am uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer where you can find those wonderful fleets. Everybody loving the fleets, huh? Those stupid little things. It's day 24, the Regal Tumble. And what did I say to you yesterday? What instructions did I leave everyone with yesterday? Don't screw it up. And you screwed it up. So we'll blame you for that today, but we'll get to that in a little bit. But today, I think is going to be a little bit of a weird day on the station. Because today... I get the sense, and look, this is me just kind of reading the tea leaves. I have not heard from anybody. This is the first show of the day uh, since everything yesterday. But I get the sense that today there might be a sense of optimism for a change. I know. It's, it, we have not done that a lot, and we don't really do that that well, right? We don't have that much practice. But today, I think there is going to be an overwhelming sense of optimism. Well, certainly there is for Met fans. I mean, they had an amazing day yesterday. Maybe not as great as they're making it out, but it was still overall fantastic. And then the Knicks, I think the Knicks are going to be spending their day, at least in part, planning the parade through the route down the Canyon of Heroes because of the NBA draft last night. And let's start with the draft. Last night draft, you heard it right here on 98.7 FM ESPN New York. And it's been clear for the last few days that the Knicks, sitting at eight, if they stayed at eight, if they moved up in the draft, they were targeting one of two players. From all the reports, they were targeting either Obi Toppin or uh, Devin Vassell. Both guys are CAA clients, Leon Rose's former agency. And the question was, would either guy fall to them? Would they need to move up to get one of those guys? If both of those guys were gone and the Knicks weren't able to move up, who were they going to take? But last night, you know, we went into the draft thinking, boy, this is going to be a really unpredictable draft. There's no surefire guy. You know, it's just about what guys, warts, do you want to live with? What do you think a guy can improve on his his weaknesses as he gets into the NBA? And then the top three picks go exactly as we planned, right? Anthony Edwards, Weissman, Ball, all go one, two, three. So you're sitting there as a Knicks fan saying, all right, let's get to it. And, of course, Woj is always about two steps ahead, if not more. You have, I had to mute Woj last night. I hated to do it, but I had to do it. Because, you know, when you're watching, you know, there, there's the, the news aspect of the draft, but there's also the entertainment value of the draft. And if you're a fan of whatever sport is having a draft, NFL, NBA, you, you want to kind of to play along the, the at-home game, right? So then you get to the fourth pick with the Bulls, and they kind of go off the, uh, the reservation a little bit in, by taking Patrick Williams at number four. A guy who had never started, he played one season in college, had never started or averaged double figures. And anytime you're at a draft, and even the guy who is taken seems surprised that he was taken that high, I don't know, it seems like a risky pick to me. But who knows? Maybe Patrick Williams will turn out to be the superstar that we are uh, not expecting. 
But then came number five. And five, that was, that was kind of where the rubber hit the road, right? Were the Knicks going to move up to the fifth pick? Because it seemed like that's the area that the conversation has been centering around Obi Toppin. Would he go five to the Cavs? Would the Knicks have to move up there? Would somebody else move up there? But, and when the Knicks earlier in the day had made a trade to kind of move up further in the first round, I thought, oh, you know what? That's a sign they're going to package those two picks and move up to five or maybe even move up further. I was kind of hoping they were going to move up to three to get uh, LaMelo Ball. That did not turn out to be the case because I think LaMelo Ball to me was the, the one guy going in that I can project three, five years from now. That guy will still be an NBA player. I don't know how good he will be. Maybe the immaturity, maybe the shot, you just can't improve it. But I thought for sure that was the guy. But no, they didn't move up. Five comes. The Cavaliers uh, announced that they take uh, Isaac Okoro out of Auburn. Someone at that guy's draft party was wearing a Louis Vuitton jacket, like it, like Louis Vuitton decals right on the front. My wife thought that that was fascinating. That was her contribution for the night. So, but once five gone da- went down, you're thinking, all right, seems like a pretty good, pretty good chance that Toppin is there when the Knicks select. Now, you might have liked Toppin even if the Knicks had to move up, but if you liked him at five, you got to really love him at eight. And it seemed like Toppin was the number one guy that the Knicks wanted. But when you're the Knicks, right, once you get clear of five, if you're a Knicks fan and you've watched the draft or you've lived a certain period of time, you know, as being a Knicks fan, you never want to count your chickens before they hatch, mainly because when they hatch, they turn into pterodactyls, right? I mean, they don't turn out to be chickens. They turn out to be something far, far worse. But then you're sitting there for six, you're sitting there for seven, and the Pistons at seven took Killian Hayes, and at that point, I mean, it was pretty clear, right? I don't know if, if you were on the old uh, FanDuel app, but I threw a couple of bucks down on Obi Toppin being the, the Nick Pickett eight, and that's, I mean, literally 10 minutes before all of a sudden they're trading up into the back and into the first round. I'm thinking to myself, now, well, now they're not going to take him at eight, they're going to take him at a five. But sure enough, at eight, Obi Toppin is the pick. So let's hear, do we have uh, Jay Billis and the, and the crew talking about the pick last night, right? Not yet. All right, we'll get that a little bit later in the show. But, you know, this was a different draft. It was different because, obviously, players, you know, because of the pandemic, they were not in an arena. They were all at home. And it was also different because it seems like, and I'm sure that there's a, a, a variety of opinions out there, so if you're looking for negativity, you can find it. But it was a draft pick that Nick fans loved. The overall reaction was overwhelmingly positive. So for the Nick fan who always feels like, oh, everybody in the media is against us. Everybody in the media always picks on the Knicks. Well, when you do something that's good, or at least you can envision as being good, they are given credit for doing something good. It's not just, oh, now look, there are some verified Nick haters. I will grant you that. But it's not everybody's a verified Nick hater. It's generally because the Knicks do things that are worthy of hate. But when they do something positive, that's the overall reaction and the over, I mean, overwhelmingly positive response last night, mainly because people thought that Toppin should have gone higher. And if you are one of those people, you thought that the Knicks would have to move up to get him. Again, if you love him at eight, you know, maybe you don't love him quite as much at five, but if you don't have to move up to five to get him, 
boy, you really feel great about getting mid eight. So kudos for Leon Rose. This was the first real uh, big move, you know, outside of the coach who was at CAA. So that was a foregone conclusion. But this is the first big move in terms of the roster that he has made. It's certainly not the last. Now, the scouting report for Obi Toppin is pretty, uh, pretty simple, pretty clear cut. Very strong offensive player. Uh, explosive around the basket, can run the floor, can score in the post, can shoot the three. The comparisons to, uh, you know, Amari Stoudemire, if you're watching the highlight package, it's not hard to envision how you could view him as a kind of clone of Amari Stoudemire. Exciting, entertaining player, seems to have a very safe floor. Like it doesn't seem, like with what he can do and what you project him as a you know a 22 year old at the next level seems like he's got a pretty safe floor reigning national player of the year but obviously there are always downsides right when they tell you any draft when they run through the positives of any player you're like oh my god how how did this guy last this length but then of course you have the negatives and defensively that's the big one for Obi Toppin he needs a lot of work defensively plus as i said he's 22 he turns 23 in March, so he's a little bit older than most prospects. Usually teams like to go for, for younger players. You know, they like the potential long-term. Toppin is probably uh, closer to a finished product, so I think that that's probably why he lasted as long as he did. And the history of older players, 22 being older in this sense, is uh, not great. And plus, you have to factor this in. All the dopey uh, newspaper back pages that will be referencing Star Wars, that can't be helped. Yeah, it seems cute early, but that will, uh, that will wear off. I think the bottom line is this. If you have any faith at all in Leon Rose, unless you're someone who does not come from the point of view of the Knicks are bad, they'll always be bad, everything they do is bad, I think last night was a good night. Leon Rose got the player he wanted. He got him at number eight without having to move up. He's a player that most people, most you know, draft experts thought could have gone much higher. This is not a case of the Knicks reaching for a player at eight. That would make you a little bit scared. You got the guy that he wanted, the number one pick that he wanted, where they were, and they got him without having to give up anything else. Plus, later in the draft, the Knicks... They started the day with picks 27 and 38, and they somehow moved that into picks 25 and 33. So they're moving around a little bit. They showed you some ability to maybe have an actual clue of what's going on in the draft. At 25, they took the kid out of Kentucky, Emmanuel, quickly. I don't know that much about him, but listening to John Calipari, I was surprised the kid didn't go number one overall. Uh, But what people have already said Based on, in terms of Toppin, based on his age, based on the situation that he's walking into, it's not a stretch to think that he could be rookie of the year. He'll be in that kind of conversation. He's got a, an offensive game that should translate right away. He's not a project. He's not somebody who you're going to have to wait a couple of, He's not the, the proverbial he's two years away from being two years away. This guy's walking in right away older than some of the current Nick players. So a lot of the criticism that I saw for the pick last night, I don't really think carries much weight. The Knicks, well, they got too many forwards. None of those forwards matter. The Knicks are at square one. I don't know if Obi Toppin is going to be, uh, you know, a superstar or rookie of the year or an all-star or anything like that. 
but I know that I'm willing to bet on him more than anybody on the current roster in terms of forward. You know, the Knicks have two main pieces that I hope are going to be main pieces moving forward. Those main pieces are R.J. Barrett and Mitchell Robinson. Anybody else doesn't really, uh, you know, I, I don't get the sense that by the time the Knicks are playoff contenders again, outside of those two guys, I find it hard to believe that any of those guys are going to be real, you know, main contributors to the team. So the fact that they have too many forwards, now they're going to have to move some guys, that might be true. But none of the, the logjam at, uh, at forward does not matter because this guy comes in and jumps the line. Also the criticism, well, the Knicks need a guard. Well, they know that. I'm pretty sure that they know it. I don't think, you know, there was no perfect pick last night at eight. There was no perfect pick moving up or moving down or any of these things. So, yeah, they need a guard. I'm sure the Knicks know that. The big takeaway for me is this is step one. If the Knicks are smart, they don't look for the big leap, but they look for some steady progress. It should be this year coming up. See how we do. Hopefully it's a little bit better. Be back in the lottery again next year. And then after you've gotten through a full season, a full season for R.J. Barrett, see where Mitchell Robinson, see where the coaching staff, a legitimate head coach in the NBA, where he can take these players and whatever other players. I mean, it's not over, right? It's just the draft. You still have free agency. You still have trade. There's still a lot of work to do. So there was not any one move last night that you're going to say, oh, my God, the Knicks have solved all their issues. They got too many issues. They like, uh, I mean, they like Sports Illustrated with all the issues. But I think Toppin is a, probably a pretty safe pick. Now, would it have been the pick for me? I like what I saw and what I read about Halliburton more. Vassal seemed like maybe a better way to go. But you know what? Part of rooting for a historically bad team is living through the years where you know for a fact the people running the show have no idea what they're doing. Whatever their plan is, that's not going to work. Now, that might turn out to be the case with Leon Rose. I don't know. That's certainly been the case the last 20 years. But I'm willing to give him a chance. I'm cautiously optimistic, which might turn out to be ridiculous before too long, but I don't think it's ridiculous so far. You have to be willing to give this guy a chance. And last night, you might be more optimistic than I am, but last night he did nothing to make you say, oh my God, this guy, it's, it's more, just more the same. It seems like at least that this guy might have a clue, which for the Knicks is a huge step forward. 1-800-919-ESPN, one 800 Seven six. So we got a lot of stuff to do today. If you want to get in on the Knicks, I would say certainly do so right away. But coming up, it's Robbie Cano. Don't you know? Taking some uh, stand so what was it? Stanisol, whatever it is. Don't you know? So we'll get into the Robbie Cano and the, the Met fans being very excited about the news yesterday, and appropriately so. So we'll get into that. So we opened uh, with the uh, Knicks draft night last night. It seems like there's uh, overwhelming positivity in terms of the pick. And uh, certainly Obi Toppin was uh, very emotional after being drafted by the Knicks at number eight last night. I was very emotional uh, hitting on my – I needed a little boost in the fan duel lately. I've been uh, hitting the skids a little bit, so uh, hitting that was nice. A little nice little bonus for the old uh, fan duel uh, total there. But, uh, hey, the Michael K. Show's 20 and 20 contest continues today at 3 p.m. Be listening for your chance at 20 great prizes. 
over 20 days to make your home life a little more enjoyable. For today, oh my goodness, the guys are giving away a Weber charcoal smoker. It's the 20 and 20 contest. It's brought to you by PC Richardson, Kansas City Steak, the Bardasheen, Premium Cocktails on Demand, and 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. So that's something to get excited about. Day 24 of the Regal Tumble is something to get excited about. But all that excitement, squeeze, if you could somehow combine that excitement with this excitement and merge it, it still would not be anywhere near the level of excitement that Met fans had yesterday. And no, it was not because Steve Cohen, if you're just waking up, he has not already signed George Springer, JT Realmuto, Trevor Bauer, DJ LeMahieu, and a couple other people. I mean, I'm sure that that's the impression I get just from talking to people on the street. I don't have any inside information, but just the outside information is that Met fans expect this guy signed, that guy signed. Oh, and Trevor Lindor, uh, Francisco, Francisco Lindor. Th- that all of that. Springer, Realmuto, Bauer, LeMahieu, and Lindor. That would probably be it, right? I mean, they wouldn't expect any more than that, but you never know. Steve Cohen's got so much money that he's going to sign all these people. But the reason for the excitement yesterday had nothing to do with any of those guys. It had to do with one of their own. Robinson Cano, suspended for the entire 2021 season. Why? Second positive test for PEDs. Baseball's the only sport. I don't know if you know. Baseball's the only sport where PEDs matter. So Robinson Cano, gone for the entire season. So when he had that season last year, right, the first year with the Mets was really down. And he was coming off an 80-game suspension for testing positive the first time. And then he comes to the Mets the first year, and he's just terrible. And then last year, this past year, you know, just the 50 games or 60 games, but he all of a sudden looked like Robinson Cano. And you're thinking to yourself, man, how does this guy do it? Well, now we know. That's how he does it. Now, the only opinion. And at first, when the first news came down, it seemed like people's reaction to it was without thinking, was, oh, my gosh. But then as soon as you have like a second or two to think about it, you're like, wow, what wonderful news. And I think it's generally been presented that way, right? I mean, it it removes the logjam that the Mets had at second base. One of the problems that the Mets had and why the trade never made sense just on, on, on its face was it was going to be hard to get your best bats in the lineup in the best defensive spots for them. And Cano was kind of, you know, the linchpin in that because putting him at second takes Jeff McNeil out of the mix at second. So then he's got to, you know, if you want J.D. Davis in there, not really a great defender anywhere, but generally you're going to put him at third. So then Jeff McNeil's got to play the outfield. That move, The whole, whole thing moves around. Now, simply by taking Cano out of the mix, and you weren't going to be able to do that through a trade. When you made the trade for Cano, you knew you are going to have him for the rest of his contract. So, A, you remove that logjam at second base. You save yourself 20-something million dollars, and you do so right now. Not once everybody is – like in the old days – well, with the Wilpons, it really wouldn't have mattered. But in the old days – This would have happened like once all the premier free agents were already gone. This is happening right now. All the free agents are still out there. It's not during the season or, or, you know, the start of spring training. And I would simply say what a team player Robinson Cano is. This is amazing. 
Now, I, I'm guessing that if he were still on the Yankees, the general takeaway would have been, what a disgrace, a player cheating the game. This is a, How could the Yankees not know about this? With the Mets, it, that won't be any of the focus. It's so perfect. I don't think you can rule out that this was planted by Steve Cohen himself. I mean, I know he's got the reputation as being ruthless, but geez, oh, please, putting that stuff in Robinson Cano's bloodstream, that, that's going a step too far. Look, the, the Robinson Cano deal was always a mistake. And at least this removes that mistake for this year. Now, I, did th- I do think, as perfect as this is for Mets fans, I do think they're getting a little carried away. I mean, you don't get uh, Kalenic back from the Mariners. That deal still has taken place. That's still official. You don't get to put Robinson Cano back in Seattle and bring back the prospects that you traded for him. That doesn't work that way. Also, after this season... While you don't have to pay him for this year, you will have to pay him for the last two years. He still has two more years after 2021. And you'd have to say, and people have brought this up, T.J. Quinn, uh, the the biggest one of it, it, very, very odd for him to get caught like this. A, it didn't seem like that baseball, because of COVID, was doing all that much testing to begin with. They were testing for other things. And B... Using what he was using is apparently such an easily detectable steroid that usually if somebody gets caught with that, it's because they don't have any money for like the real premier steroids. Robinson Cano, he's got even even giving away as much money as he does with with all these suspensions, he still has way enough money to afford like the really good steroids. So uh, just a, a baffling move by him, but I guess maybe it's not all that baffling, right? Like maybe it makes all the sense in the world. If it turns out, right, that you're what he was the first year without anything, and and you'd have to assume, right, like he's now been caught twice, and he was coming off of an 80-game suspension. So the first year with the Mets, maybe he wasn't taking anything, and that's the kind of player he was. And then you saw this past year and other years of his career where you'd have to assume he was using. He looks like that. So maybe it's not that baffling of a decision. It's a baffling decision why he decided to use this particular one because it seems like, according to the people that know, it's very easily detectable. But the actual decision to use, maybe that's not all that surprising. And also, you'd have to say, the sign of a really bad GM is that you're still feeling the impacts of that GM even after they've left, right? Phil Jackson, Mike McCagnan. And you have to say now Brody Van Wagenen. Brody Van Wagenen with that move alone, what a disastrous move that was. And it was the kind of move that you knew it was just a matter of when it became a disaster. You knew with five years left on that guy's contract, even taking out the 80-game suspension. Five years left at a guy who's aging at a position where you didn't really want to lock somebody up there just to bring him in. You knew at some point it was going to be a disaster. It just turned out to be a disaster pretty much from jump. Pretty much from jump. And now it remains that way. Because again, maybe Steve Cohen and all his money will be able to just simply buy out Robinson Cano's contract. And they'll just pay him whatever they owe him. What, what, what is it, like 40-something million dollars? And just let him walk away with his money. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what you do. But you're on the hook for it. It's not like you, maybe he can, he can uh, concoct another uh, failed drug test, and then you, he's, he's banned for life. I don't know. Steve Cohen has his influence. He is ruthless. I'm telling you. 
But I think that, uh, I mean, Brody Van Wagen, oh, my goodness. What a move. What a move. So uh, in terms of Cano, uh, you know, people – I saw yesterday Twitter had like a headline. What does this mean for his Hall of Fame chances? Uh, what it means is they're, they're gone. <laughs> they were already done. You would have to put his Hall of Fame chances on steroids to kind of boost them up, much like uh, Robinson Cano boosted up his numbers from year one with the Mets to year two. But no, and his Hall of Fame chances are spent. I think that, that much is pretty clear. That much is pretty clear for sure. Uh, now, I, uh, the other aspect of this, and want to hear from you, 1-800-919-ESPN, is uh, the DJ LeMahieu aspect. Because as soon as the news came down, and as soon as it dawned on Met fans and everyone else what amazing news this was, all of a sudden the memes about, well, we're going to go get DJ LeMahieu. Well, of course, because the Mets are going to sign every single free agent. It's funny. All the Met fans who have told me, you know, uh, LeMahieu is not the MVP, they can't wait to sign him, too. They can't wait to get him in, in their, their blue and orange. I don't think that this is going to lead to the Mets signing DJ LeMahieu, mainly because one of the big positives is it removes the logjam at second base. You can put Jeff McNeil back at second base and it allows you to have some options heading into free agency. And I think the Mets' other options – there are bigger pressing concerns than going out and signing D.J. LeMahieu, as fantastic as you know I think he is. The Mets have an issue in center field. They have an issue at catcher. They probably still need to add another pitcher. They have bullpen could certainly use a boost. So I don't think that this is going to lead to them signing D.J. LeMahieu. I certainly not, hope not. I know on the K show yesterday, Michael said that uh, the, it seems like the – the negotiation is focused on LeMahieu wanting a five-year deal. The Yankees wanted to give him a three-year deal. It's crazy the amount uh, that the Yankees could possibly lose. The amount of articles, well, you know, the Yankees could lose him. They could lose. Yes, we understand how free agency works. He could go here. He could go there. Yeah, and maybe he will. Maybe he gets a six-year deal from someone. I don't know. It seems like two things can't be true. A, you can't tell me that baseball lost all this money and all these teams lost all this money and free agency is going to be down across the board, but that D.J. LeMahieu is the one player, the only player that that's not going to impact. I find it hard to believe that those two things could be true. So maybe he does end up getting a five-year deal from someplace. I certainly hope that uh, the, the Yankees are the ones that do it because the Yankees cannot afford to lose him without a very strong plan B. I mean, very strong. And to me, losing DJ LeMayhew and, and turning around and going to get Francisco Lindor, giving up prospects to get him, only to sign him to a $200 million contract, to me, that's not a very strong plan B. DJ LeMayhew has been better than anyone, including the Yankees, could have thought he would have been. He was the MVP. He was fourth in MVP voting last year. He was third this year. He's performed in the regular season. He's performed in the postseason. More importantly, maybe than all of that, he also stays healthy. He plays every day, or at least as much as the Yankees will let him. I've touched on this before. He projects as a guy who will age well. He's playing second base at the age of 32. Usually, if you're playing second base, you can, as you age, transfer to a a little bit more less demanding position, either third base or first base. He can do that right now. So you would think that he would be able to project that way. Plus, the Yankees' window of opportunity is right now. There is no acceptable reason why they lose him. Unless some team comes in 
and offers him $28 million a year for the next five years. Even then, the Yankees, should, I mean, they're the Yankees. I don't care how much money you lost. You made money all the other years. So the Yankees' window of opportunity is right now. There is no reason why they should lose D.J. LeMahieu. And if they do, I, don't, I just don't think that they're going to end up losing him to the Mets. I'm from New York. That's why it's important. <laughs> me, me, me repping my city is... It's amazing. A lot of people pray to be in this position, and, and I'm not going to take it for granted. I promise you that. I would say to Obi Toppin, leave the tears for later. There will be plenty of time. You're, you're part of the Knicks organization, my friend. There will be plenty of time for tears later on. No, in all fairness, uh, our moment of inspiration for this Thursday morning, Obi Toppin, the Knicks' uh, first-round pick, number eight overall, very emotional. He's uh, from Brooklyn, is it? I think he's from Brooklyn. So uh, he's very emotionally playing for the Knicks and uh, very excited. So uh, I think most Knicks fans are excited to have him. So your moment of inspiration for this Thursday morning. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. 1-800-919-ESPN. In case you're just joining us, we've touched on the uh, top and move where it's nice for a change to watch draft coverage and everybody saying nice things about the player the Knicks took. So that's all well and good. Secondly, we also, of course, have uh, the Robbins Cano move yesterday, getting suspended. What a shock. What a shock. So uh, that's out there as well. But let's hear, you know, I said that there is positivity surrounding the Knicks. I think Knicks fans think every time that their name is mentioned, and there are some in the media who are verified Knicks haters, but that does not include the panel last night at the NBA draft. So let's hear from Mike Schmitz, his player profile on Obi Toppin. Mike Schmidt's player profile. No player in this draft is more NBA-ready on the offensive end of the floor than Obi Toppin. He's an outstanding rim runner. He can space the floor vertically as a lob catcher, and he shot over 40% from three during his time at Dayton. He's an underrated passer and is going to fit perfectly in the modern NBA on offense. But at 22 years old, there still are questions about his upside and his defensive versatility. I think the term that jumps out there is he's NBA ready, which uh, for a large portion of the Knicks roster, it has not been NBA ready. So at least they got one guy. We got a guy who's NBA ready. All right, here is uh, Jay Billis giving the breakdown of the top and pick for the Knicks. He's a 6'2 guard in high school, but he's an explosive athlete that can finish at the basket with either hand. A rim runner, a lob threat. Shot 77% in transition and can really get out and run. Tends to leak out early at times, but his finishing ability, he reminds you a little bit of Amari Stoudemire with the way he plays. Tip dunks, lobs, there he is running the floor and can dunk it with either hand. Had 107 dunks this last year that led the country. He threw it up there. He went as high as he needed to to go get it. He can step away and shoot it from three. Shot just under 40% so he can pick and pop. He can pick and roll. The only question is his lateral quickness getting out to guard pick and roll. He's got to improve there. All right, so there you go. You know the weakness, you know the strengths, and, uh, and away you go. All right, so there is Jay Billis and uh, Mike Schmitz uh, giving you their take on the OB top and pick. But, of course, this is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. And what we are known for, if we're known for anything, which we're probably not, but if we are, you heard the music. It is the regal tumble, the quest, the battle for television supremacy. Greatest TV show of all time. It is now day number, is it 24 or 25? I have 24 written down here, but I think it might actually be day 25. Do I change that before I put it up? Well, we'll figure it out. 
So each day we put a new TV show, nominees suggested by you as well as by the secret 98.7 Illuminati. Yesterday was a very big day, a very strong feel, because yesterday, curb your enthusiasm. Maybe in the argument for best current TV show. A lot of these shows have been off the air for a very long time. But this one, you could make the argument in terms of current TV shows might be the strongest one. Has been on for a very long time, is iconic. And for for Larry David, he's kind of like uh, television's Dave Grohl. He's part of Seinfeld at one point, and then later on comes back. And remember when you found out the guy, the drummer from Nirvana, he's got a new band. And then you hear the band, and they're actually pretty good. And they've been around for another 15 years. So uh, curb your enthusiasm, heads into the mix. And yesterday, with the other remaining shows, I thought, oh, boy, here we go. We might have another upset. But it was not to be. You people screwed it up. Curb Your Enthusiasm should have absolutely made it, I think, in my eyes, over Chappelle's show. As much as I love Chappelle's show, Curb Your Enthusiasm is the greater TV show of all time. But unfortunately, just 16% of you agreed. So bad job by you. It's all your fault. Not me. I'm just putting it together. I have taken it out of my hands and put it in yours. And you take it in your hands and you drop it. So that means that Curb Your Enthusiasm is a one and done, and it shows you the strength of the current three shows that we have. And of course, just to remind you, the three shows that we have in the Regal Tumble, they are Chappelle Show. They are still there, very strong. I love Chappelle Show. I just don't think I love it as much as uh, Curb. You have the Chappelle Show. You also have you have the Sopranos. The overall, if you had a number one overall seed in the mix right now, they are the one. They have gotten more votes than any other show, cumulatively. And then, of course, you also have Seinfeld. I thought that Curb would create a bigger uh, struggle for Seinfeld yesterday, but that was not to be. Seinfeld's numbers remained very, very strong. I guess maybe the fact that it's on regular TV and not, you know, it's not on cable TV. I don't know. Seinfeld, very strong as well. So there you go. Those are the three remaining shows. Let's find out on day number 24 or 25. We're not really sure which. The new entry into the Regal Tumble. Yes, Sports Center. How many hours of your life have you spent watching Sports Center? And before you say, well, how can you put sports in? I can do whatever the hell I want. I got one hour. I can do whatever the hell I want. Here's the criteria for Regal Tumble. Is it something that is on television? Yes? Okay, it's eligible. If it was 50 years ago, if it's on Netflix, if you watch it on your television, then it's eligible. And SportsCenter is clearly eligible. So I would think that for sports fans... It's the, the number one show you probably spent your most time on. Now, I will say, if you had suggested Monday Night Football, that could have been a suggestion. I don't know that it was made. We'll find out as the regal tumble goes along. Or Sunday Night Football. You could have suggested that. Or Nixon 60. You could have suggested all of these things. If it's on your television, it is eligible to be voted on. So today, it is SportsCenter. Can SportsCenter get into the mix and knock off one of the three big heavyweights that we got going on right now, Chappelle Show, Sopranos, or Seinfeld. Well, that's not up to me. That's up to you. And it is day 24 of the Regal Tumble, so there you go. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. And you couldn't afford, of course, vote 
on Twitter at Gordon Damer. All right, 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Coming up, we have the Regal Tumble. Next, we'll get into the New York Football Giants Tumble because they're apparently shaking it up over there in uh, East Rutherford. So we'll get into that next with the Fighting Joe Judges. The Fighting Joe Judges. Yeah, the Fighting Joe Judges. They're taking it quite literally. Hey, it's the Gordon Damer Show. It's 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. In case you're just joining us on this Thursday morning, I mean, we've been all over the place. We've got the draft. We've got to get some phone calls here before too long. But the Regal Tumble, day 24, is up. It's on Twitter. It's at Gordon Damer. And today's entry, SportsCenter. Great, I, you'd have to say it's among the greatest sport. I mean, think about all the time you have spent. Now, you might not have thought of it ahead of time, but somebody did. And I am not going to overrule the, uh, the, vo- the voice of the people. So SportsCenter's in there. Somebody says, oh, come on, Gordon. This is not me. This is you guys. Don't blame me. This is your fault. Much like Curb Your Enthusiasm getting knocked out yesterday, your fault. All of this is your fault. I just came up with this idea to blame you all. Uh, so you can vote on the Regal Tumble. It's up on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. But let's get to some uh, actual tumbling because the Giants, boy, they really are uh, they're fighting mad. Yesterday, they, uh, they let go of uh, offensive line coach Mark Colombo. This apparently after a, a heated argument with Joe Judge. Judge wanted to bring on uh, Joe D. G- I can't say his name. I, I'm, ne- I'm never going to get it right. D. Guglielmo? I think that's I it. I think that's it. Look, Schefter couldn't even get it right. And if Adam Schefter can't get it, if he stumbles on it even a little bit, then what chance do I have? So uh, he, br- he brings him in as a consultant. Mark Colombo didn't like that. And apparently, it depends on who you believe. There's a report that it was a heated argument. There was a report that it was a fight. I prefer myself, my truth. I keep hearing people talk about their truth. This is my truth. I prefer it was, I, I like to believe it was a fight because that's more fun. It's more fun to think that the, uh, the, the coaches are fighting behind the scenes. And I'm telling you right now, if this were the Jets with everything that goes on over in Florham Park, everybody would just assume it was a fight, right? This one's fighting that one. Is there any black eyes? Is there any uh, dental work that needed to be redone? Kim Jones of the NFL Network reported that it was not a fight, but gave a very interesting detail. And the detail was that Colombo called judge one of the worst terms in the English language. So when you throw that little, I mean, that has the mind racing. And I think we all kind of know, like when you talk about the worst terms in the English language, I think we all kind of know the term, right? Starts with a C. I just think it was that scene in Bull Durham, and we'll leave it at that. Oh, no. I think it's a word. It's, it starts with a C. It's Cowboys fan, right? Oh, like, if you're no. going to insult oh, no. somebody as much as possible, well, I think you call them Cowboys fan. Well, I think just, Mark pro- Colombo said, what are you, a Cowboys fan? He probably just called him a Cowboy since he was I don't a Cowboy know. for that many too. years. And I, look, you can have uh, whatever reading on it you want. It's a low blow. It's a, you can't call your boss a Cowboy, a Cowboy fan. So, uh, Joe Judge... I would simply say, I don't know the details, but I think that this is much like the Golden Tate situation, and I'm being serious, in that he is holding people responsible. I don't know if Mark Colombo is the reason why the offensive line is playing better now, why Andrew Thomas struggled early on, but it's clear that Joe Judge felt like there was an area where the Giants can improve, and he's not going to sit back and wait for it to kind of, he's given it half the season. He doesn't feel like the improvement is, you know, is enough for where they should be. So he felt like there was a move to go out and make, and he's going out and make it. So there you go. 
Uh, all right, so uh, we'll see. Now, he is opening himself up. Now, if the Giants go out here and the offensive line kind of goes back to the way it was earlier in the season, I think that Joe Judge has kind of put his neck on the line a little bit in terms of that. But if it, if it continues to show the improvement or improves even more, that's going to make you feel even better about Joe Judge as a head coach. All right, let's squeeze some calls in because I've been talking the whole show and I'm exhausted. I can only do an hour. I'm only programmed to do an hour, and that's all I do. So let's get some calls in. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Let's go out to Spike in Jersey. Spike, what's going on? Good morning, my friend. Uh, you got to put curb on there. You're probably right. It's probably because it's uh, not over the air TV. It, you got you to put it on. It's, it's as good as Yeah, it I mean, Chappelle show, it had two full seasons, and then it had a third season they kind of slapped together because he wanted yep. out, and, you know, it wasn't really a full season, so... Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think that Curb is the better show, but, look, that's not what the, the yeah, people voted, it, so it's up to them. There are episodes of Curb i got to rewatch because I miss stuff. But anyway, uh, Obadiah uh, Topin Sr. played for the Brooklyn Kings in what was it? I uh, still around, I guess, the uh, United States Basketball League. I used to go up to Rucker and watch it. His father looks like Amari Stoudemire. You could probably Google a picture. His father's a street legend. This kid's got yes. game, and he's going to run the floor. He's a little mature. Uh, you know, some of it is hokey. Some of it's true life during uh, tough times, pandemics. Uh, some of the reactions are just gut-wrenching to me. I don't know how you felt about it. but uh, boy, I kind of like the format better uh, of having people around. You know, like the – I like to have a little change anyway. I don't like the regular draft format where it's – It gets old. Yeah, it does. I mean, I don't need uh, this much. And I like a little snippet of the the guy's personal life, but I mainly want the experts, the Jay Billises, the Mike Schmitz, to be taught. The the whole show is for me. And and interview after interview, I don't really need that many interviews. I'd like a little bit of the taste of, you know, the emotion that goes into a night for guys like that, which it must be just absolutely incredible. And for the parents, too. Uh, So that was nice to see. But I mainly want it focused on, you know, how it impacts me as a fan. Yeah, it's funny because the kid was picked, and he's from Brooklyn, and I went to high school, at the Funk High School in Brooklyn, and the guy, the star player who's he's passed away now, and he's in the Hall of Fame, posthumously Roger Brown, went to Dayton for a little bit and got some trouble, I'm talking about 60 years ago, 55 years ago. So, listen, we'll see. He can play it. I'll run the floor. I still think we should go ahead with what I suggested yesterday with Westbrook, the Morris brothers, and, and run up and down the court. We don't know if people will be there. Right now, I would say no, but uh, the Knicks got a decent player, and he can score and that's the name of the game now it's like football it's scoring and and basketball's going to become scoring but uh, he seems like a really grounded kid and and that first kid that story with losing the mother and the grandmother i yeah, mean i don't know tough. how you're supposed to recover from that yeah and i feel like spike with uh, the the nfl draft too i think it focused a little bit too much on the uh, the sad stuff that was not the case last night spike thanks for the call um so we'll see. Look, I, I, I'm not going to tell you that I've seen Obi Toppin play a whole bunch. Are there guys that I liked better at that spot? Yeah, probably. But this is a guy where the Knicks, if you want to be even cautiously optimistic, the Knicks know exactly what this guy, they could not possibly have any more information about this player and his strengths and weaknesses. And his weakness is, you would think, what the strength is as the head coach, right? The head coach in Tom Thibodeau is about defense and, you know, he's going to work Toppin in that way, and whatever weaknesses he had on the college level, I would like to think that Thibodeau has looked at it and sees ways that he can improve him at the next level, at least to make him, maybe he's not going to be a you know, shut-down guy, but at least functional, right? At least that he can, he can guard a little bit on the NBA level. And if his strengths remain his strengths, 
you got a pretty good player. Uh, let's see here. We got Matt in the uh, in the Bronx. Matt, what's going on, my man? Oh, he dropped. All right. Well, that's gonna. Uh, that, I think that's all the calls, right? We don't have any of the calls right now. All right. Okay. Uh, all right. So uh, I would say, uh, look, vote on the Regal Tumble today. We uh, we have uh, look. We got a lot of shows still to go. We we are not. People keep bringing up like, do you, is this show going to be included? That could, you have to stay tuned. That's what we're doing here. We're trying to get you to tune in every single day, and um, we'll see. Somebody suggested that the K show. Well, they are on TV, right? That's the only requirement is that the show has to be on television. So is the K show part of it? I don't know. Well, you have to tune in every single day. Today, we know what we got today. Just operate like much like the players drafted last night. You take it one day at a time. Let's take it one day at a time. And I'll say this, much like uh, poor old Lucille Ball earlier in the week, SportsCenter It's not come out of the gate too strong. Maybe these things change sometimes over the course of the day. So we'll have to see and wait and see how it changes over the course of the day. So if you're a SportsCenter fan, and think of all the time. I know what you're saying. Well, I love Chappelle's show. Chappelle's show is here and gone in a blink of an eye. SportsCenter, that's an institution. That's been with you, a little kid, uh, you know, maybe as you mature, if you mature. Some of us don't, but, you know. And it's still there Whoa. now, still going strong. Exactly, Paul O'Neill. That's my point. That's my point. So we'll see how things shake out today, day number 24. And I'll tell you right now, day number 25, the show lined up for tomorrow. Oh, my goodness, you're not going to believe it. Wait until you find out now, will it be one of the real contenders dropping out today? We don't know. We'll find out tomorrow. But that's going to do it for today. We're already out of time. Look, I mean, we, we, we squeeze in as much as we can in the short hour. But it's, it's not a long period of time. But we hit everything today, much like the Giants, hitting everybody in the building. We will see you tomorrow, starting at 5 a.m. Of course, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin are coming up next, 98.7 FM. The Fighting Joe Judges. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.